mindful when it comes to your words. A string of some that don't mean much to you may stick with someone else for a lifetime. Be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. The tongue has no bones, but it is strong enough to break a heart. So be careful with your words. Don't mix bad words with your bad mood. You'll have many opportunities to change a mood, but you'll never get the opportunity to replace the words you spoke. Words are free. It's how you use them that will cost you. Words have energy and power with the ability to help, to heal, to hinder, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Never ever diminish the power of words. Words move hearts, and hearts move limbs. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. And so those are just some quotes that just focus on this idea of words and the power of words. If you were to look at James chapter 2, James writes about taming the tongue. And he says, out of the same mouth, we praise God, but we also curse man. And he says, this should not be. That's not the way we ought to use our words. If you go back to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it simply says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death, the power of our words. We've been talking about loving one person at a time. And last week, we even looked at this idea that, okay, it doesn't have to be something big. It starts with one decision at a time and how that can change the trajectory of our lives. And so today, we're looking at how we can simply use one word at a time to love others. Now, I know some of you have actually bought Kyle Eidelman's book one at a time and either have read it or are reading it as we're going along with this series. And if so, you might notice that the things that I talk about today come from three different chapters. I'll also tell you that I watched two different sermons and combined some things into there, plus adding different Bible verses that I feel like go along with that. And so having said that, you might go, man, we are going to be here forever. I promise you we have a 1030 service. I will have you out by then so you can feel confident in that. But words, words that we use. The average person speaks approximately 16,000 words a day, and some of you are helping to hike that number up because you speak a lot more than 16,000. And I wonder, does the number of words that we use every single day cause us to underestimate the importance of words? Like they really do have the power of life or death. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 1. I mean, right from the beginning, we're going to see this idea of words coming in to the picture. And so at creation, like God is there looking out over everything. And right at verse 3, I mean, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Like God spoke creation into existence. In fact, if you were to continue reading, you'd see at verse 6, it says, and God said, in verse 9, and God said, in verse 14, and God said, in verse 20, and God said, in verse 24, and God said, in verse 26 down here, uh, then God said, like over and over and over again, you see that God is speaking creation into existence because they have the power of life. But if you go to chapter 3, where we look at the event called the fall. When sin enters the world, 
we see Satan, and he deceived using words. Like, listen to what he said, starting in verse 1 of chapter 3. He says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And then in verse 2, you have Eve replying, this is what God has said. And so then you get down to verses 4 and 5, and the serpent says, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so even when Satan is using his words, his words are not completely true. There's some sense of truth, but it is not true. And yet that doesn't keep them from having power. They still are able to convince Eve of what to do. You see, ever since that time, words have been bringing love and life to people, but also they can cause distress or depression or destruction or even death. And if we make this more personal, not just looking at big picture things, I am positive that people have said words from both of those categories to you. Like others, maybe they have spoken into you and they helped you to believe in God or even to believe in yourself. Maybe they helped you to see your true value when you couldn't see it yourself. Maybe they opened your eyes to the possibilities of change when you didn't think change was possible. But I would also say that you have probably heard phrases like this, that no one likes you, that no one wants to be around you, that you'll never amount to anything, that I'm not attracted to you anymore. Maybe even, I wish you hadn't been born. Like that old saying about sticks and stones, breaking bones, but words not hurting, like you know that that is not true. And sometimes I think we're careless about our words because we're naive to the power that they have. But we really can make a difference in loving people using one word at a time. And so I want to take a quick look at Jesus just in a couple of verses. Like in Luke chapter 4, when he is coming on the scene at the beginning of his ministry, he opens up to the prophet Isaiah and he is speaking about himself. He reads this text about himself in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 4. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight of the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Like multiple times in that verse, he says, I have come to proclaim, I have come to let people know the good news of what God has in store for their lives. And if you were to jump to Mark chapter 1, verse 38, it says, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. He said, that is why I have come. I have come to preach. I have come to let people know about the kingdom of God, what God's desire truly is for them. Over and over again with his words, Jesus is pointing people to God and who he is and what he wants. With his words, he also casts out demons. And he quiets storms. He heals the hurting. He brings back the dead. He forgives sinners. Like when looking at Jesus' encounters in the gospel, like we have about 15 recorded teachings of him speaking to large crowds, but about 40 one-on-one -on -one conversations. And each time, each one of those times, Jesus is very purposeful with the words that he uses. And so if we're to be like Jesus... 
if we are wanting to use our words positively in a way that brings life instead of death, what should we do? How do we do that? And so in one of his chapters, Kyle points out four things that maybe would be helpful as far as using our words well. One of the things he says is to use words of affirmation. Use words of affirmation. And I was thinking about my own life, and there are people that come to my mind. There are places that these conversations happen. There are exact times that I remember where I was affirmed by people. And maybe even saying that, you can picture certain moments in your life as well. I think about an award I got when I was in high school, and one of my teachers just came up and spoke into me and just saying, you really deserve that award. And I just kind of brushed it off, and yet it was still something in my mind that I have remembered to this day. I think about one time I spoke at a camp, and my dad just told me, I am really proud of you. Those words are still in my mind. I think about certain sports that I was involved in and moments that coaches took the time to speak in to me. I think about how my mom even just said, you're my son and I love you. You know, those words of affirmation. I think about teachers or friends or my siblings, my wife or my kids in different moments where words that they spoke to me gave me encouragement, gave me that extra boost. And as I say that again, maybe you picture those moments that have encouraged you. And again, this seems like common sense, except the question is, do we always use our words for affirmation? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so when you use words like, I am so glad that I am married to you, as you speak to your spouse, or maybe you're talking to your kids and you just say, I am so proud of you, or I am proud of who you are becoming. Or maybe to a coworker, it's just that word of, you do such a great job. I am thankful to work with you. Like when you speak those words, you are speaking life into those around you. Like especially if words of affirmation is something, the love language that someone speaks. Like as you speak those words, it encourages them. So let us be an encourager and use words of affirmation. Here's the second area as far as words. He says to speak words of affection. Words of affection. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Like I have drawn you with loving kindness. Or in Romans 8.38 and 39, maybe you've heard these words. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I want you to understand that God loves you so much. He loves you so much. And he used words of affection to make sure that you know that. And we, as followers of Jesus, need to let other people know that we love them with this everlasting love. Not just a love that we come up with, but a love that is from the Father. Now, I get it. Some of you may hear this idea about, you know, words of affection, and you're thinking, but I kind of have a tough time just saying the words, I love you. Like, it's not part of my daily routine and things like that. Guess what? If that's you, you have homework this week. I am challenging you to tell those people in your life that you truly care about those words that I love you. Try to do it once a day. 
for this next week. I don't care where you have to write that, a sticky note, something like that. Let me use these words to tell people that I love them. Let that phrase become part of your vocabulary because it is true. Like people can tell if you love them by your actions, but affectionate words encourage when they are backed up by conduct in a way that simply actions can't do alone. So let us speak with words of affection. There's a story that I came across about a pastor who was meeting with a teenage girl, and she came to his office, and you could tell something was wrong, and she finally just blurts out that she's pregnant. And so she's afraid to tell her dad. Her dad was a leader in the community. Her dad's a leader in the church, and she is afraid to tell him this. And so she actually has multiple meetings with the pastor, and every time the pastor's like, we need to go talk to your dad. You need to go talk to your dad. She is just so scared. In fact, she even thinks about leaving town. And when she tells the pastor that, he says, nope, we're going to talk to your dad. So he goes with her, stays with her in that meeting, and they sit across from dad at the desk. And she tells her dad that she's pregnant. And his first reaction is he takes his hand and he just slams it on the desk. And he quickly gets up and he walks around right in front of her and he says, you stand up and look me in the eye. But she continues to sit there and she's just crying. And so again, he says those words, you stand up and look me in the eye. And so she slowly begins to stand up. And when she is standing right in front of him, he puts his arm around her. And he whispers, it's going to be okay. I love you no matter what. We will get through this together. It's going to be okay. You know what? By saying those words, he created an entirely different environment for her to live in than what she was expecting. And at no point did he just approve of her choices, and yet he still showed that I care about you. Our words of affection they make a difference in people's lives. Do not underestimate their power. Another thing that Kyle says as far as words that we use is that we can speak words that point people towards God. Speak words that point people towards God. In fact, last week we looked at John the Baptist just a little bit and he was having his followers ask him questions. Are you the Messiah? He's saying, no, no, it's not me. And he was pointing towards Jesus and he said that those words, he must become greater, I must become less. And when your life looks more and more like Jesus's, you will get compliments. Like the way that you live, not that people are going to say, wow, you look like Jesus, although they might, but you will be living in such a way that you will get complimented. And as you receive those, I would challenge you to redirect people's focus towards God instead of you. Now, not in a weird way, like saying, well, thanks, you know, ever since I've been washed in the blood and God purified me, he's continually sanctifying me. I give him all the glorification, you know, that he deserves. Like, I'm not limiting God. If you said that, he could still change lives, okay, because he's that powerful, um, and what you're saying is true, but it probably won't motivate a lot of people to go, oh, I think I'll be like you. However, if the moment happens and you use words such as, I really am thankful for this opportunity that God gave me, or I really appreciate it, but you need to know this isn't me, or maybe your story is even, you know what, it didn't used to be this way. Jesus has completely changed my life. Like one word at a time that points towards Jesus has the power to change lives. The final area that Kyle talks about when he's talking about how do we use our words is simply prayer. 
And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it is words, and we alone cannot change someone's life. God has to step in. And so maybe the words that you use are towards God, and you say, God, would you help this person to see their need for you? Or maybe you're asking God, what is it you need me to say so that they can hear the truth? Or maybe you even go up to someone and you tell them, I have been praying for you. I'm continually praying for you. Is there anything specific that I can be praying for? No, words to God on behalf of others can help open up hearts and they can impact lives. And so a simple thing such as a word, like we can love people one word at a time. But I would also tell you that sometimes those words turn into actual conversations or maybe God is even nudging you. Hey, you should go start a conversation with someone. In fact, that nudging might even be here within this church building, that there are people that sit a couple rows over from you all the time and you don't know who they are. And maybe God's saying you should go start a conversation with them. Or there's someone walking in the halls that you've never seen before. You know what? Just because someone's here doesn't mean they've made connection yet. And maybe God wants you to start a conversation with someone. And yet, whether it's here, whether it's outside these walls, sometimes we choose not to speak up because of fear or maybe certain excuses that we have. Like maybe we say, my life, like it's just not a good enough example. I think God could use someone else. Or maybe we say, I just don't know all the answers. And so what if they ask me questions that I don't know? Or what if they reject me? Like I tell them about God, but what if they reject me? I don't know if you heard, but all three of those excuses right there We're all about us, like me. It's like my life, or I don't know, or what if they reject me? The great news is you don't lead people to Jesus. God does that. You do have a part to play. Like God calls us to have this part to play. And so we need to make sure that fear and excuses don't keep us from these life-giving conversations. In fact, in thinking about having conversations with other people, one pastor asked his people this question. If I paid you $10,000 every time you told someone about your faith in Jesus, would you do it? Like, would you start looking for every possible opportunity to have these spiritual conversations? The answer is probably so. The question's why? Well, because we care enough about money to overcome our fear, to overcome our excuses. So the truth is we need to care about God and people more than we do about money. So these conversations, how do we start them? Could I encourage you that one way to start some of these conversations is to simply ask questions. Talk to someone by asking them questions. Now, not questions that sound like you're trying to sell something. That can turn off a conversation immediately. But questions to show them that you value them, that you want to get to know them, that you'd like to know their opinion on something. Questions that show that you're not trying to win a debate. In fact, in the Gospels, we read that Jesus asks 307 questions. You see, he knows that this is an important way in helping people open up. In fact, it's one of the ways that I try to strike up conversations with people. I simply ask them about themselves because most people are pretty comfortable talking about themselves. And so it opens up a door. 
There's a man named Dave Stone who used to be the pastor at Southeast Christian Church, and he does this idea of connecting, asking questions all the time in restaurants. So whether it's the waiter or the waitress, whether it's someone sitting next to them, he just constantly is asking questions around to build connections. And so I read this illustration in a book. I heard him preach it himself. And so he'll tell you that oftentimes, like he'll ask someone where they're from. All right, we often talk about how this world is such a small world. This last summer, I was down in Florida and I went to a church and someone was talking to me and my uncles and kind of asking who we all were and so where we were from. And I said, I'm from Derby. And he said, whoa, I've got someone, you know, my brother-in-law lives up in that area. And I said, really, who is it? And he told me his name. I'm like, I know who he is. So then I texted him later on. Or this last week, I was at a conference in Joplin and I was talking to one of my college buddies who uh, moved from, from Mexico there. And so he just took a lead position somewhere else. And in a conversation, he asked where I was from. And I said, I'm at Derby. He says, whoa, I have some cousins that go to Derby. I said, really? What church? And they said, and I said, they go to our church. That's so awesome. And so anyway, we talk about this small world oftentimes. And so simply asking that question of where are you from can open a door. But Dave doesn't just leave it there. So he'll ask, hey, where are you from? And then if they say somewhere like Chicago, he'll think of a friend that he knows from Chicago and he'll be like, do you know this person? All right, so you're from Chicago. I know someone from from Chicago. In fact, he'll even make it bigger. Sometimes they'll say, I'm from Texas. Really, I know this other person in Texas. That's like 30 million people. What are the odds that someone's gonna know someone? But it just, that's what he does purposefully to be able to open up a door, begin a conversation and maybe a connection. He's intentional, and he's not afraid to do that. Well, there was one time that Dave went on a mission trip to Kenya uh, with his daughter, and they ate at this local restaurant several times. And so every time they went in, they said, can we have the same server? He purposely wanted to build a connection with her. So her name was Nadia, and whenever things were slow in the restaurant, like she would come over to their table, and they would just talk about what life was like for them. Well, before they left, Dave found an app that allows his family to be able to stay in contact with Nadia, even across the world. And so this idea of one conversation at a time is making a difference in her life. There was another time that Dave was speaking uh, in Pennsylvania, and he was at a restaurant with his wife. And so... Like typical Dave, on their way out, he stops to talk with someone else at another table, and his wife walked on, and she stopped next to the hostess, who was next to kind of the front door, and started talking with her. When Dave finished his conversation, he started walking towards the door, too, and uh, Dave's wife said, hey, Dave, this is Leah. She's the hostess. This is Leah, and she's from Kenya. Well, Dave automatically goes into, whoa, you know what? I went on a mission trip three years ago with my daughter, and we met this waitress there that we've kept in contact with. He's like, maybe you know her. And so he pulls out his phone to show her a picture, and she stops and looks at it, and she says, Nadia? Like, Dave was confused. This idea of maybe you know her strategy is actually working for once. And so anyway, like he's thinking through this and like Kenya has 51 million people, which is bigger than Texas. And these two people maybe know each other. And so he says, you know her? She said, yes, we worked together at a hotel for a couple years. And so Dave takes a picture or Dave's wife takes a picture of Dave and uh, Leah and sends it to Nadia. And within a minute, just simply getting this text back that says Leah with an explanation point. And that connection started this conversation where Leah told them that I haven't been in the United States very long. Like, I still feel really lonely. I'm still trying to figure a lot of things out. And Dave invited her to come to the church that he was speaking at while he was up there. And that Sunday, she showed up for church. All because they asked a question that led to a conversation which ended up with connections. 
And as we're talking about this idea of conversations, can you just look at our society? I think sometimes good conversations is a lost art. Like we don't just have these conversations with people anymore. But you can, different, you can um, make a difference by genuinely talking with people. Now I say with, not at. Sometimes people still have that, I'm going to tell you something or I've got an agenda with all this. But if you talk with people, we can make a difference because people want to connect. And as you do, like as you're purposeful with your words and your conversations, God can use that. Now, I told you that there's multiple things in Kyle's book. He continues to talk about, okay, once you've started those conversations, how do you turn them to the spiritual? Like at some point, I don't want to just talk about the weather or sports or where you're from. I want you to understand things that are spiritual, that are important. And sometimes people make that shift, but then sometimes they stop there. He said, that's not good enough. At some point, you want to also shift it to the idea of personal. Because we can talk spiritual things, and maybe this is what the Bible says, or this is how we're supposed to live, but it still comes down to every single one of us needs God. So in my conversations, not that I'm rushing to get there, and it may even take multiple conversations to get there, but I'm thinking in my mind, how do I make this personal, and how do I make this spiritual? Both of those things. And so even in his book, he uses the woman at the well and how Jesus continues these conversations to open her eyes to the truth. But here's what I'd tell you as we're talking about um, conversations. In moments where you are talking with others, God doesn't need a superhero. He doesn't need a Bible genius. He doesn't need a scientist that knows all the facts or even a politician, unless you are one of those, then he needs you in that moment. But he simply needs you to be willing to speak truth and to be willing to really listen to the other person. And so I want to give you a verse and a question as we wrap up this sermon on this idea of words. Here's the verse that in a section where Jesus is speaking about, hey, you can tell a tree by their fruit, the good fruit and the bad fruit. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then we read these verses in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. By your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. Like, as you hear those verses, understand that your words matter. Now, I don't want you to walk out of these doors thinking, oh, like I am afraid of that one oops moment that something slips out of my mouth. Or what about when I messed up last night and I lost my temper? Does that mean like that's going to determine whether I get into heaven? No, 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 no. It's all about the grace of God, the blood of Jesus. But this text says the words that we use, it reveals our heart. Nothing slips out unless it's in our heart already. And so how is your heart? Do you have one that is seeking to live in truth and grace? Again, you may not be perfect, but are you trying to live in truth and grace? Or is your heart one that has been corrupted by the ways of this world and it's simply living for yourself? That will show, the way your lifestyle is will show whether you will be acquitted or you will be condemned. And so the words that you say really do matter because it shows how your heart is. Here's the question that I would love for you to think about. Since our words have the power of life and death, who in heaven will say thank you to you? Who in heaven will come up to you and say, because of the words that you spoke to me in that one moment or over and over and over again, like I'm here? Who will come up and tell you that? 
you know what, you and I, we can love people one word at a time and one conversation at a time. We simply need to speak and then let God, let his spirit work on people's hearts. In fact, the song that we sang right before the sermon, it talked about that he's the one that turns mourning into dancing, or he's the one that gives beauty for ashes. He's the one that turns shame into glory, or turns uh, graves into gardens, turns bones into armies, or seas into highways. Like, he is the only one that can. That's not us. That is the power of God. And that song says, nothing is better than him. Man, I am glad that is the God that we worship, the God that we serve, the God that we love, but even more importantly, the God who loves us, the God who loves you. And all those things in that song, they all start by letting God take away the muck of what I've made life to be. I've tried to do on my own and all that kind of stuff, and then I give it over to him, and he's the one that makes me new. Sometimes when we talk about this idea of choosing Jesus, giving your life to him, we talk about how you have to believe. We talk about this idea of repenting. I don't want to just keep going down my path. I want to follow after him. You see people take that step of baptism. This is my obedience to God in this. But there's one other thing that we talk about. It's confession. The words we use, the words saying, this is what I believe and I want people to know. And so maybe today is the day that you use your words in this way that changes your life forever. And so today, if today's the day, God, I want you. I want you to be the one that really is steering the ship. And I want you to clean me up and make me new. And in just a moment, I'd encourage you to make your way to the prayer room. Or if there's other things that with our words, we're wanting to pray for people or pray for ourselves of things that are going on, that people can come alongside and help us. That's what we want to do because words mean something. All right. So this week though, as we go out to live, may we not just Take for granted the words that we have, but remember the power that they really do have. Will you guys pray with me? God, sometimes as we're talking about these things, such as words, it seems like such a small thing, but we've also been on the side of things when one word really did pierce our hearts, and we've been on that side when one word, and it almost helped us through the rest of that day or the week or the month. And so I pray that we would be people that use our words well. God, that we can use them to help people understand how much you love and care for them. God, with an affection that doesn't just come from us. So I just pray that you'd continue to open our eyes, continue to use us, continue to give us boldness to overcome those fears and those excuses. God, help us to know what question to ask. Help us um, to have eyes that are open to the opportunities that we're not expecting this week, but you have intentionally ordained to happen. So God, we look forward to the stories that continue to happen as we follow after you and the lives that are changed. God, it's also even humbling to think about someday in heaven, people coming up and saying thank you because we were faithful. And so all of that, we want to point towards you. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.